0: Hey gang, Sean Zock here, joined by Dylan De chair As always, this is The Drop Zone. Big show planned for you guys this week with an interview with my new favorite golfer in the entire world. Jeez. Daniel Kang. Favorite in the world. Yep. But before all that, Dylan, I will ask you, as always, have we had a golfy week?
1: We did. We played two rounds of golf together. How about that? We went out to San Diego, Southern California. We played two rounds of public golf. The first one was at Torrey Pines on the South Course. First impressions?
0: Uh, My first take is that that course needs to get rerouted. Oh. Because it is great. The South Course is really, really good. A fun test. We played it from the tips. No big deal. Very, very difficult. You know, it's a U.S. Open course. But we played it starting on the seventh hole. And we did not get to play 12 or 13. Those two holes are, are currently under construction. So we zipped around through seven. We ended on one through six. Those are the best holes out there. They take you out to the water. The sun was going down. Torrey Pines at sunset is incredible. And those co- those holes around the water are just, they're what you go to play there for. You know, none, none of these holes are going to be like the greatest holes you'll ever play in the world. Mm-hmm. But they take you out to the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of being there.
1: Yeah, so we played out there for, what, 100 bucks, Which I, I assume that's a pretty discounted rate because yeah. of the construction. Um But it was a good deal even though it was only for 16 holes. But I agree with you. Most of the holes themselves are not super memorable, especially the inland ones. I wasn't really blown away by anything until we got out to these last few holes. It was a bummer because 12 and 13 do go out at the water. And there's some good par threes there. But, man, it it got really good at the end of the night. 7 7, p.m., 7.15 p.m., we're the only people on the course. Darkness is yeah. starting to set in. The There's two of us. No one else out there. Yeah, yeah. we were literally the last people there. It, it that place is buzzing though, I will say. Yeah. There's something different about Southern California golf because you know, people can obviously play there year-round. So it feels like people are stopping by and getting dialed in on the range, but it's just this perpetual thing where it's not like, oh, they're they're getting in their golf before the summer's over. It's like, these people are just on the grind. Yeah,
0: they hum. Uh, another thing about Torrey Pines is that it was kind of weird and also fun, I thought, to see a course in its off-season, so to say. Like, Torrey Pines takes over the Gulf world in late January every single year, and whenever it hosts the U.S. Open, it's obviously the, the mecca that week. But it wasn't in the greatest shape, which is kind of interesting because in late January every year, you see Jason Day winning, and there's Thick rough. And 18 looks like this really great, difficult hole. Mm-hmm. Well, there wasn't that thick of rough at Torrey Pines right. last week. It was kind of clumpy. There were spots where it's like really thick and mm-hmm. you kind of get screwed over by going into it. And then there's very wispy spots where you you can hit three wood out of it, no problem. You hit three wood out of a bunker. On 18. The bunkers out there are filled with sand, like more sand than I've ever played in. It's like quicksand. This was, like was quicksand. a
1: revelation. There's no, I mean, it can't be that way for the tournament, can it?
0: I want to hope that it isn't. It, it actually felt like you were in quicksand and there were fried eggs. I mean, you and I each had probably two or three fried egg lies, maybe because we're hitting the bunkers. You too had
1: long. a one bounce fried egg, which was, yeah. that was like the Kucher Memorial drop that he was seeking was the one bounce and plug. You did get one of those in the sand. Don't think you made it up and down.
0: That was just, it was just weird. It, it, it felt like the course's hair was down and like you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing kind of what it normally is and it gets all prettied up for, yeah. the, for the farmer's insurance open. But
1: Well, it makes you realize how much of a course's like tournament appearance just comes from the television accoutrements. <laughs> it's the, the TV cameras, the angles, it's the bleachers. The galleries. I mean, the pond on 18 was
0: like filled with algae and yeah. it, it did not look good.
1: They got to demuck that thing. And, and there is also an element of these courses that host big tournaments get beat up big time. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the most pristine courses you see are not necessarily PGA Tour courses, they're these ultra private courses that don't get much play. Mm-hmm. You know, you head to New Jersey, play a country club you've never heard of, that's probably going to be in just as good of shape as tour courses most of the year. Yeah. Um, but I mean Torrey Pine's greatest asset definitely just the scenery.
0: Ten of ten would go back again. Would but, go back. But, but I think I'm only price. playing at sunset. Like I'm trying to play when the sun's going down to that course because the the ocean holes are phenomenal. We also played Goat Hill. People call it the goat up in Carlsbad. It is a great golf course. It is a great par 65 It's like 4,500 yards from the tips. It is the kind of course that makes you want, I think, to design your own little short course. I loved it.
1: We rolled up. The first sight we saw was a sign for overflow parking, which essentially just pointed to not even gravel, but really just like a a stretch of rock and dirt and sort of grass off to the side. That was awesome. But then we pulled into the parking lot, and there's a dude – You know, the scraggly beard, long hair, T-shirt, bare feet, uh, earbuds in, just rocking out, hitting some chip shots on the green. Yeah,
0: that that was how you get introduced to Goat Hill. And also, not even just that dude and his bare feet on the driving range, the person who went off in front of us had his dog on a leash and his bag on his back going out and playing a little golf. There was another guy when we finished up with his golden retriever alongside him on the driving range. Big dog scene. That is the vibe at Goat Hill. It is a bunch of short par fours, a bunch of par threes. There's one par five. It's only 450 yards. So, yeah, it leads you to a par 65 course, but it makes you do all things with your golf game. It makes you hit a bunch of like tricky, thick, rough, crabby grass, rough chip shots. Mm-hmm. The greens are tiny, the greens are tricky. It was very windy right off of one of the turnpikes out there. We had a hell of a time trying, you, you ended up breaking par, you shot 64, but we had a hell of a time just trying to make par on all these other little
1: holes. Nice, soft greens. It did make it friendly, even though it was tricky, because once you got around the greens, stuff wasn't going to run away from you. I like this place because it, it felt authentic. You know, so much of golf tri- is trying to be hip, hip's a good word for it, because it's not actually cool. It's trying to be, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you don't have to tuck your shirt in. Yeah, This place was actually the real deal. You know, you had some crappy lies. You had, you know, homeless chic on the, on the putting green. This was raw and real oh,
0: chic. You know how, uh, that crazy computer game, roller coaster tycoon, mm-hmm. this felt like golf course tycoon where you only have so much space. Mm -hmm. So these holes are like bending around each other. You have to go up a hill and down another hill to get to this tee box. And then you go up a hill to the green and you got to go like around the hill to get to the next tee box. It felt like it used 95% of the acreage allotted to it, which you can't say about many courses. A lot of courses waste area. They have tons of wasted space. This place used just about
1: everything it had. I mean, they gave you golf carts they really encouraged you to take a cart because it's so hilly even though it's on this tight piece of property um and i think that set it all if we'd had more time we probably would have tried to hoof it but we were a little pressed we took some carts had a great day out there sean shot 70 career low only five over par including a double on what 15, 16, 16 yeah. after he closed me out big time in our match um shout out to you yeah first time breaking 80 and you shot 70.
0: (laughs) Yeah I felt a little guilty doing that on a par 65 but the handicap has is trending check in what are we at we're at 10.4 right now
1: I think this podcast is good for your golf game
0: yeah it is and the goal this whole summer was to get down to single digits so we are en route moving on the PGA Tour is coming back this week and that would cause everyone in the world to be like, hey, we have our golf back. We've had golf. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line that I want to talk about before we go and and glut about how the PGA Tour is all, you know, we're happy that it's back. We need to talk about what kind of golf we had in between. Notably, the Walker Cup and the Solheim Cup. The United States won at Hoy Lake yesterday, 15.5 to 10.5. They came back on Sunday People need to care about this because it is the first time in over a decade that the Americans won on foreign soil. This is the future of American golf here. We had half of the top 10 amateurs in the world are Americans and they're constantly kind of making this comparison to that 2007 Walker cup team, which is absolutely freaking stacked. You got Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Webb Simpson, Chris Kirk, Billy Horschel, a bunch of PGA tour winners. This team is kind of
1: like that. You know what makes it hard for me to care about the Walker Cup, Sean? I couldn't watch it live on television. That was that was a loss. There's this agreement in place that it will be broadcast live when the U.S. hosts, but that only happens every other event. Yeah, so once every four years. So this was shown in highlight packages, but come on. This is 2019.
0: It felt bad that this was agreed upon by the RNA, it felt bad that golf was just realizing, hey, it kind of costs some money to have all these cor- these mm-hmm. cameras out on the course and to, to, to televise an event that is happening at late morning in the United States. It felt like golf was just kind of accepting that it's not important, which is bad because like I said, this is the future of professional golf in many ways.
1: Well, it's the future of professional golf. It's also the future of uh, If we want golf to be an interesting product and succeed in different ways beyond people just flipping it on yes. Sunday afternoon to, you, to have you know, this. kind of watch the conclusion of the RSM Classic. Look, this is the Walker Cup. It's different voices. We we love match play. We love watching, you know, our country put on a show. Yeah. There's stuff at stake. People love the Ryder Cup.
0: Also, the last time we saw Hoylake was when Rory won the British Open there five years ago if we are going to treat these courses these rota courses
1: like they are these great things we need to have them on tv we need to have them visible put them on tv if we are not caring about the walker cup that means we're not doing our job well enough it means golf is not doing its collective job well enough uh to get people to care because there there is so much to uh, sink your teeth into but it's not just the walker cup this week We're diving into the Solheim Cup also.
0: So let's do our damn job and get people ready for the Solheim Cup.
1: I am fired up about the Solheim Cup. What especially got me excited is being at this Adidas shoot where we spent a few days last week and talking to some of the LPGA players there about their most nervous, most emotional moments in the game. And they all referenced the first tee at the Solheim Cup.
0: And that's the same thing that the men do. And we like love it when the men talk about this event. Mm -hmm. So then why are we not doing the exact same thing when the women do?
1: Well, there's a huge conversation to be had there, but what specifically are you fired up for, for this week?
0: Well, our girl, Danielle Kang. Yeah. She's, she is the person I referred to at the top of the show, my new favorite golfer in the entire world.
1: Well, I mean, She brings the heat later on in this podcast. Yes. We sat down with her in Southern California, and it's clear that this means a lot to her. I think the phrase involved breaking souls. No, taking souls. Taking souls. Taking
0: souls at the Solheim Cup. Basically, my whole opinion is, is that if you are hyped for the Ryder Cup, if you are the type of person who gets super amped for that event, then you probably call yourself a golf fan. But if you get hyped for the Ryder Cup, and you don't watch the Solheim Cup, then you are a lame golf fan to me. You are you have decided that golf can only be played at like in this format at this top level by men and still be entertaining. Like it is the same format. What is that format? Team match play. The best in the world playing for no profit of their own, only to hit great shots under intense pressure for their fellow teammates and their country, whether it's the men doing this, women doing this, amateurs doing this, you and me playing against Golf Digest, it's still entertaining. Like that is the bottom line here. So, yes, people need to wake up all week, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and tune in for the Solheim Cup because golf history happens there too.
1: And one of the fun things about this is that on the LPGA week in and week out, it's it's a little bit different from the PGA Tour in that you know the men's game is stacked with top American players. If you look at the Ryder Cup team, everyone is in. You know the top twenty. Mm-hmm. If the women's side, you have to dig a little bit deeper down. That's why uh, when Julie Inkster was making captains' picks last week, it, there was some intrigue there of, okay, who's she going to go with? Because. You know, you could, you could make an argument for Paula Kramer, even though she has not played well this year at all, just based on experience. Yeah. And because no one else is, you know, consistently winning and being left off the team. So we will get a chance to see some new faces and some faces that you don't see in contention every single week. You get to see them showcase their game, their personality. They get fired up. Get fired. I mean, this is where people get to show that off. I also want to highlight, Sean, the European Tour. How about that? The European Tour, I mean, it's pretty in vogue to to like the European Tour. Unfortunately, there are certain trends in the game that are pushing hard against the European Tour. I yes. mean, you see pretty much every player in the world, top 50 is now playing mostly full-time on the PGA Tour. Uh, we were talking to John Rahm the other day, though, and he is headed to play a bunch of events in Europe this fall. He needs to. He needs to because there still is this provision about, you know, keeping European tour membership. If you're not a
0: European tour member, you will not play in the Ryder Cup.
1: So Paul Casey knows this very well. He really does. But there's plenty to be excited about beyond just their social media team, which is sensational. But we've got the BMW PGA at Wentworth that starts September 19th. The following week, there's the Dunhill, which you know is played at some of those awesome Rota courses, including the old course at St. Andrews. Uh, I don't know. We head back to Le Golf Nationale for the French Open. Mm-hmm. That place was a torture chamber for the U.S. <laughs> last year. I'm before
0: not- we, before we continue, though, BMW PGA is where the European Tour is instilling its new pace of play policies. Oh, like they, yeah. That is the first test run of pace of play in professional, like legit pace of play in professional golf. So that tournament, sure, you can have the Greenbrier this weekend, but next weekend I am only watching the European tour.
1: The European tour is, it's like the PGA tours test kitchen at this point, they will take any idea, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks.
0: But I don't even think it's a test kitchen because none nothing eventually gets to the PGA tour. Well, yeah, like it's right. only, it's just, it's like
1: cooler cousin, yeah, it's I It's a cooler
0: cousin. That's what it is.
1: It should be. It's test <laughs> kitchen. We should be taking more lessons from there. But the one thing that they are injecting this fall is some major cash. Seven million dollars in each one of these purses. Then, of course, we we head to the WGC, which is co-sanctioned European Tour, PGA Tour. That's ten million. But you know, you look at the Italian Open, BMW PGA, the Turkish Airlines Open, the Ned Bank, and then the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. Eight million dollars. Yeah, I just
0: I can't get off of this this comparison about the cool cousin. The I'm cool just, cousin. I'm just thinking of like. The European tour is that cousin of yours who brings like a new hot date to every wedding. And you're just like, how does he always keep bringing these great hot dates to the wedding? He's just more creative. He's out there. He's social. He figures things out and
1: he tries new things. Even if he might not have quite as much money. Exactly. All right.
0: Well, let's move to the interview. Daniel Kang is my new favorite golfer in the entire world. Daniel Kang. Hi. You're here in, in I guess, what is a, a boardroom here down in San Diego at the Feels Grand like El Mar? The
2: scripting room for us.
0: Yeah. Well, because we're here with the Adidas commercial shoot, and you're kind of running all over the place today. But earlier today, we had you play a par five, and I want to take this time right now to apologize for giving you a bad number on your approach. I said 223. I adjusted it to 228. The real number was like 15 yards more.
1: 237.
0: Uh, <laughs> Have you gotten over that yet?
2: I completely forgot about it until you brought it up again. <laughs> yeah. See, as a golfer, you got to forget about things.
0: Yeah, I was curious about... Uh, barely when you, made par. Barely, but you did. It was FYI. a good par. You you said right before we came on here that your caddy is your caddy because he is a great problem solver. Yes. And I'm curious about, like, what is a good example of when he solved a problem or something that he did recently that was like, that, that's why you're my caddy.
2: He does a lot, actually, per day. I probably shouldn't give him that much credit and boost yeah. his confidence that much. But he actually what I really, really like about him is the fact that anytime I have a little issue, it's resolved. Okay. Hypothetically, if it's we lose a towel in the middle of the golf course, a lot of caddies will freak out that mm. they don't have a towel. He just uses his shirt.
0: <laughs> I love mm. it. It's just I like that. Instead yeah. of
2: panicking, I lost my towel. Yeah. First of all, I don't really care. You lost your towel, but then you're telling me now you make it my problem. Mm-hmm. But it's just little things. And then he just starts wiping off his shirt. I go, what are you doing? And he goes, lost my towel. I go, oh, okay.
0: As a caddy, there is nothing greater than like making the right decision and then leading to something yeah. good and probably nothing worse than making the wrong decision. And leading Sean something Sean caddies good. for me
1: <laughs> from time to time. Doesn't usually go that well, but it's oh. usually fun. But he's never apologized to me like he just did to you for, a, maybe you've never given me a bad That's yardage right. though.
0: Uh, I want to talk How about-
2: you, you guys are a team though. You guys shouldn't apologize us
1: oh. us so we for you guys to be a better team sean shouldn't have to apologize despite like, that's why i said wrecking I, your second yeah
2: shot. i didn't ever blame him
0: we solved the problem and made par we yes i didn't it.
2: blame him i said oh okay <laughs> beautiful i barely made par but yeah it's all good
0: yeah you told us earlier about a term that you coined called lizarding
2: oh yeah she can
0: yeah i need this explanation <laughs> again you were practicing in the heat and you came up with this term lizarding
2: so i live in las vegas and it is very, very hot there. How and hot? Like 115 hot. 110, 115 hot. And feels like, right? Could be yeah. 108, but feels like 115, yeah. obviously. So basically you're hitting and then you just get so hot and you get, you're still hyperventilating because you're just, I don't know, it's the heat and you're getting tired and your body gets tired. And so I sit down or lay down and I just let the sun hit me for 10 minutes. It so actually I can, works? I can get acclimated to the weather. So my body has to absorb the heat from the sun and absorb the energy, and then now I have energy.
1: So you just accept it. Accept you gotta accept it. You can't fight it. How hot it's going to be. It's yeah, I'm not, 113 degrees. Exactly.
2: I'm not gonna sit there and pour cold water on myself. No, I'm just <laughs> gonna sit there and take it and just accept the energy that the sun is giving me. And then that's called lizarding because that's how lizards actually yeah. um, regain energy. You know
1: more than I do. So you seem like you're a big pet person.
2: I'm just a big animal person. Well, And I feel like I can take care of them well. But I'm never, I'm never home, so I don't... Get him
1: anymore. This leads to something that we also talked about slightly before, but I think you need to tell our audience about the time you may or may not have tried to buy a tiger.
2: That's not I don't know why people think that's the most ridiculous thing. It's not one of the most ridiculous thing I've ever done, but um I did try to buy a tiger. Am I explaining the story? Yes. Yes.
0: Please. Definitely. (gasps) Entertain us.
2: Okay, long story short, (laughs) I was at the zoo and you're able to hold a baby tiger, a baby cub. And then you get to play with it and blah, blah, blah. And they were treating it kind of rough with it and kind of grabbing it by its arm or whatever it was. And I just kind of said, uh, how much for the tiger? I'll take it. And they kind of looked at me going, what? And I said, how much for the tiger? What zoo were you at? It was in Asia. I was going to say. Yeah, feels, it was it one of the like Asi- auction, it was another country. A auction. A lot of things, have, I can't say everything has a price, but a lot, most, things, most <laughs> things have a price. And I said, how much for the tiger? And then he said, three thousand dollars cash <laughs> so done i have 1500 in my wallet let me go to the atm mm-hmm. so then obviously i have to get a i have to tell my family that i'm going to buy a tiger can't just buy a tiger you know you have to be it has to be a group unit decision mom buying a tiger and she yeah. says, you are not breaking that home so then we figured out a way on a way i can ship the tiger overseas to where they can be re- um rehabilitate it and they can take care of it and where they raise tigers there's a lot of cons- conservatories where they do that however I couldn't technically purchase it because I have to be in the country as a tiger gets shipped out after the shots mm. in the cargo and I had a tournament the following week
0: oh no loopholes so sometimes. I couldn't
2: so I try to I don't really have friends in middle of that country so I, I didn't know what to do and then my mom said would you just drop it and go to your tournament wow. so I did
0: it doesn't sound like you are never gonna own a tiger though like i feel like yeah this you, is haven't, still you haven't you haven't ruled it
1: out all the way no can i just say three thousand dollars for a live well, one, tiger five, See, that sounds kind of cheap okay. low yeah i haven't you spent get, a lot of time on the tiger market but
2: <laughs> you gotta think it's not the huge tiger imagine a baby cub in front of you and someone says you give me three thousand dollars you can have the tiger yeah obviously i'm not thinking about the precautions of where is it going to live? Yeah. Can I am going to bring it home? Is it going to get along with my dog? Is it legal?
1: Yeah. When it turns into a massive predator. Well, that's
0: the best part though. It's like you get in on the, the tiger g- game really early. Yeah. And then you have those really viral videos where like you find it later oh, in the wild. Yeah. It comes yeah, yeah. up in like tackles i like them love. to be free. Yeah.
2: I wish I, I you know, one day I'm just going to live in a safari. That's what I'm going to do. I have my own giraffes and stuff. You know?
0: Until then, you're just going to live in Vegas. Yeah.
2: Uh, but what's up, George? Like George the giraffe. You know? <laughs> yes. I can see it. Wait, <laughs> <like>, that's George.
0: <laughs> so Vegas uh puts crazy. you Vegas puts you near Butch Harmon and, yes. and Butch is your coach. I'm curious what it's like to actually have Butch as your coach. I mean, he is kind of the godfather of elite golf instruction at some point.
2: Butch is one of a kind. I I respect him tremendously. He is so knowledgeable and I just actually just really like hanging out with him um our lessons don't feel like lessons
0: okay
2: in the beginning a little bit you know when it's butch harman and i had problems and i couldn't hit the ball and i'm saying i missed i don't know how many cuts in a row and i can't hit, pull the trigger off the tee and then now after we got kind of got in the rhythm i think i it took me two tournaments to win a tournament with him mm-hmm. first okay. was third and then win after multiples of missed cuts and I feel like that happens with like
0: every one of his students
2: at some point He just makes you feel so good about your game and makes you trust yourself and believe in yourself Mm -hmm. And with what you have it makes you better and that was
0: pretty important for you at that point
2: Yeah, I mean I play this big draw. I do I come in under I I do and then I just kind of flip it but he he makes the missed shots into playable shots Mm -hmm. and I think that was super important and he kind of, I told him I don't like doing certain things. And he says, just don't do it. How simple is <laughs> that? That's amazing. It sounds and freeing. Really funny story. I'm going to tell you because it was actually kind of infuriating. Love it. Uh, first tournament of the year was Korea for with uh, Butch and I working together. And I was leading. And I kept parring all the, wait a second, no. All the par fives were reachable in Korea. Because I was hitting my driver amazing. But I just couldn't hit my three-wood. Okay. I don't know why. One club in my back, I was topping it, and then one hole it was reachable. It was only like two twenty to the front and the water was so far right and I told my caddy, I goes, I think it's gonna go in the water. He goes, Just there's so much fairway left. I go, Yeah, but I can't hit this thing right now. He goes, D, just hit it. Yeah. Missed the water by a yard. <laughs> yes. And then I went, Okay, I can't I can't do this. I kept laying up for Thursday, Friday and oh, then no. Saturday I was like, I can't play like this, I'm losing shots. So I called Butch, I said, Butch, I can't hit my three wood. And he goes, What do you mean you can't hit your three wood? I go I can't hit it. I'm topping it. I'm sculling it. I'm laying up every par five. And he says, oh, okay. Is it just a three wood? I went, yeah. He goes, well, I'm looking at your stats right now and you're about seven under par on par fives. So just take the three wood out and make the bag uh, lighter for the bun. Yeah. Bun's my caddy because he has a bun. And he goes, what? what? I need him to hit my three wood. He goes, no, just don't hit it if you can't hit it.
0: Yeah. Simple as that.
2: Yeah, but I want to reach it in two. He goes, well, obviously you're not gonna. So just take it out of the bag. And I'm going, Oh my God, but Is this is this your advice right yeah, now? So what... we actually just didn't hit it. I have I would have two. Boy, did you
0: take it out of the bag, or did you keep it in the bag?
2: I was going to.
1: Because <laughs> that's I just
2: true. couldn't have the heart to do it. Yeah, that would be
1: full <laughs> commitment.
2: I know. I just, and he just I finished third that week, but I could But the way his perspective was correct, I didn't look at it as in I was losing shots. I actually played great on the par fives, even laying up. Yeah. So, so you're it still,
1: is what it is still getting around. What I think is super interesting about that is, is the way it relates to how you got into golf to begin with, because I think it's probably safe to say that you're a natural talent. Um, you qualified for the U S open less than a year after you first played golf. Is that right? Yeah. Like how the hell did that happen?
2: Uh, I tell people not to get very offended because I'm very uneducated in golf. I really had zero interest Zero interest in playing, zero interest in becoming a pro at the time. So I didn't even sign up for the U.S. Open qualifier. My brother signed me up, and I just went and played, made through local, played sectionals, and then played the U.S. Open. And you're right. Maybe I just had the natural talent to hit the ball and hit it in the middle of the face is important. And I think my brother had a lot to do with that because I followed him to the golf courses every day. and If he hit 10 buckets, I try to hit 10 buckets in one. That was just my he was just my competition so is that
1: how you started to play it was just following your brother yeah
2: i had no intention of playing anything else i just wanted to play with him and hang out with him so did your
1: parents play golf or other people in your family or how my, did your brother get into it
2: my dad did so we used to visit him he used to have abroad work uh during the summers so we used to go with him whether it was korea and there was this range and while he's working it's summer vacation for us so my dad was just go, just go to the range or our babysitter would take us to the range, or whoever it was, or and um, my brother would just sit there and hit balls, and all everyone talked about was, oh my god, your brother's so good, look how well he's hitting the ball, and then everyone was so intrigued by it. And I'm going, I don't like getting my attention taken away, so I asked my dad to buy me clubs. Yeah. I go, it can't be that hard.
0: And clearly it wasn't. <laughs> it
2: can't be that hard. And yeah. then I just kept practicing with him, and then here I am.
0: Uh- you said that earlier that you learned things from caddying for him this summer. You caddied for him at the yeah. local qualifier and you are dating Maverick McNeely. So by osmosis, I'm sure you learned some things from him as well. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is if they learned things from you because they have to there have to be lessons that are within your game that they that probably teach them from time to time.
2: Yeah, I believe that uh, Maverick says to me, he asks me how I think about on certain shots and. Um, he's very respectful on what I think about his swing, on how what I'm seeing, or uh, we trade a lot of uh, drills, okay. putting drills or chipping drills. And I got a new putting speed drill, and I go, oh, hey, I got a new speed drill. Like, and then he just calls right away. Um, he goes, all right, tell me what it is. And he tries it. And that's just how it gets better, though. We can yeah. make each other better. Um, but Alex and Maverick, I, I think guys... I don't know if it's guys and girls, but they do hit it a little more crooked than girls. For sure. They do. Um, <laughs> their misses are yeah. bigger. They hit it further. and mm-hmm. But That's their short science. game is amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, their short, short game is just, I can't even explain it. The ball just floats to the hole. And I, I, I can't, every time I watch Maverick Chip or my brother Putter Chip, I'm just thinking to myself, how? What is that? And yeah. then all they keep telling me is it's just practice. Yeah. So I guess, if I don't have to chip as much, I don't have as, enough practice as them, so all I'm doing is chipping now, so.
1: If you just hit fewer <laughs> greens, then you'll have more chipping practice, but. That's true. I they don't do know if put that's more, the way you wanna go.
2: They do put more practice into their short game than I do, so I try Maybe that's your answer.
1: Do you guys play together a lot? Do you play a lot with your brother, with Maverick?
2: Yeah, I, I play with Maverick anytime he's home, or when we're home at the same time, Yeah. if you know the schedule. We have an Excel sheet highlighted on when we're gonna be home. It's pretty awesome. and it's pretty dorky. You no, know, he's the no. Stanford, I don't do that Excel sheet. <laughs> um, I just get the schedule sent and I just see the highlight, you know, the coloring. I go, Okay, the blue.
0: <laughs> that week works for yep. us.
2: And my brother and I play two days ago. So we play often. We all live one mile from each other. So it's That's nice. awesome.
1: And has golf gotten more complicated since you first started playing and just following people around? I mean, you said you were having trouble like taking driver away. That's got to be a a super different experience than just picking up the club and starting to play and being pretty good at it.
2: True. I think people kind of get away from just the game itself. Nowadays, with all the numbers, TrackMan technology, ball flight, ball spin, I have a headache. I just, with the Greens book... I just wish people would just play golf, and reading a green is part of your talent, right? You you need to be able to read it mm-hmm. instead of constantly taking your book out and looking at what number you have. And now, if you're learning aim point, you can feel it. It's feel. That's the beauty of golf. But I don't know. Now it's just so complicated. And then I still don't like to use TrackMan, so I have other ways to calibrate my numbers. And you it's don't a,
0: like to use TrackMan.
2: I do not. No. You, you can you... trick TrackMan actually.
0: Do you think that makes you rare in terms of pro players?
2: Yeah, I think trackman is very good for certain players that want, for wedge practices, that gives you numbers and all that. I think it's great, but for me, I, I don't, I get too stressed out by the numbers.
0: Yeah, So I think that's, that's a common result. It's just technic- like, it's too much, it's overload.
2: Yeah, I mean, technically you're, you know, if your ball, I mean, your swing speed, let's say you swing and then you swing it at 115. You know you want to get to 117.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's you just you start I, doing things to get there. Yeah, a
2: little bit. And then I look at the ball spin and the smash factor. We all know 1.5 is the yeah. highest smash factor, you know. And if you get 1.48, no matter how good the ball flight was, you're going to try and crush the next one. It's just, I don't know. I just always feel just kind of suffocated from it.
0: Sure. I mean, t- just taking the numbers out of it. I don't
2: look at it. So I do use TrackMan, but somebody else has to look at it. I can't see the numbers.
0: Yeah. They're like, they're they're TrackMan whisperer for you.
2: Yeah. TrackMan is great for people that know what they're looking at. I don't know what I'm looking at. I just see a lot of numbers and I do know I need to get into certain numbers and that just stresses me (laughs) out.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. You need to be
2: educated on TrackMan if you're going to properly use TrackMan. Yeah. So
0: this is going to come out uh, Monday of Solheim Cup week, Mm -hmm. which is just a week from now. But... uh, I'm, I'm, that event is interesting because I, I look at the LPGA tour and I see a lot of a lot of women that enjoy playing with each other. And then you, same with the men, you kind of flip the switch that week, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it is fierce. Is that intimidating? Do you love that aspect of the competition?
2: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's having something to play for other than yourself, and that gives you a lot of motivation. And plus, you have a teammate. When else are you gonna have a teammate that's just so much fun you get mm. to have a partner you get to have a sister next to you and just go crush another team yeah and then plus how great does it feel to beat just that one person <laughs> you know what i'm talking yeah. about oh, right yeah. like oh
0: yeah golf Yeah. golf
2: yeah. is you have to play the field you're not playing the world number one you're not playing the world number two it doesn't matter what they're shooting technically you have to beat the entire field yeah so but then this tournament it's match play plus you have a partner plus you get to crush another person so now you're trying to take souls you know <laughs> it's taking <laughs> souls at the soul you are you're going there to make people cry at this point just crush yeah, them but it's it's the that's the fun of it yeah and we don't ever get to do that and we are always we're always alone we're always by ourselves playing for us and our caddy and our own little team but to have another person to understand what you feel when you hit a bad shot yeah. and to do it together. I just think that that's pretty incredible. So you're hyped. Oh, I love team games. Do As you... you can tell, I don't, I don't do well by myself <laughs> on the golf course. I do need somebody you... to talk to.
1: Do you play like team games when you're at home? Do you, do you play like you know four balls or matches against other people when you're practicing?
2: Yeah. I don't like to play one-on-one. Actually, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I go against Maverick one-on-one. I play <laughs> Alex one-on-one. But then anytime we play a threesome or foursome, I always we always yeah. split it.
0: Are you beating Maverick and your brother frequently?
2: I mean, no, not really. It's their home course. <laughs> oh. The courses aren't far oh. enough. That's my that's my defense.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. So typically
2: they, they, they so I have four irons in, and they have about nine irons, that's and I don't think it's fair. But then they tell me to go play the reds, and then if I technically lose from the reds, then it's... looks real bad. Yeah, it just doesn't look that good. So I'm just <laughs> gonna either win from my own tees or lose from my tees. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, jokes aside, I mean, it's golf, right? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose.
0: Can't win them all. Uh, your partner, if you could choose at the Solheim Cup, who would it be?
2: For right now, I would like to play at least a match with Lizette, Lizette Salas.
0: You guys won together in 2017.
2: Yes, we did. You yeah, um, run it back. Yeah, I mean, she's one of my best friends and I just like playing with her. I like having fun with her. And um, I know that she has my back on and off the golf course. And we played Dow together as well. So I think it'd be really fun for me to at least experience another Solheim Cup team or Solheim match playing with her. You were so. three
0: and one. You needed to be on this team. They need you.
2: Yeah, we all need each other. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough this year. I think it's gonna be tough.
1: On the LPGA week to week, does it seem like a pretty solitary experience or do people hang out together a lot? Do they play practice rounds together? Um
2: I think that varies. Yeah right? Um, at the, I think it really does depend on your schedule. Lydia and I joke around. People know Lydia and I are really close, but we joke. I, I didn't see Lydia for about five months. <laughs> I, it's just like I didn't see her. Her prime tea time was the opposite time. Her flights were different times than when I come in, and then her tea time is com- morning, afternoon, afternoon, morning. So sometimes you just don't see each other ever. And even if you want to eat dinner, one gets done at 7, the other person's done at 12. So it's just it's hard to match. So yeah, I mean, they hang out when you have time, and when you could actually match up the schedules, and it gets, I don't know. So yeah, it's yes and no, depending on the schedule, like how it works.
0: I want to ask about the Philadelphia Phillies experience, because I just watched you throw out the first pitch at the Phillies game, and I want to know, were you, were you pleased with what you did? What would you give it as a grade? You kind of launched it.
3: I threw
2: it a little high. You threw it really hard. I threw it really hard, yeah.
0: Yeah. What was your mindset going into that? Because you have, like, the Phillies mascot is gigantic. So, like, if you miss him, that's kind of bad.
2: Well, he actually said I should have caught that. I did say that. You should have caught that. That was just over. He kind of fumbled it. A little bit. But I did throw it a little high. But I also did want to throw from the mound, and then I wasn't allowed to, I think. What? Yeah, no. I wanted to throw from the mound. But they said that it was hard because it's kind of on a down slope. So it'd be better if I threw front from the mound. Whatever. I really wanted to throw it hard.
1: You did you got to give it 100%. No matter what
2: you do, you got to give it 100%. You
1: wound up and launched it. Yeah. And you get to trash tuck the Philly fanatic a little bit. That doesn't happen that often. Uh, tell us about your shirt, Danielle. You're wearing a shirt that says Fairway Fierce. What's going on with that?
2: I mean, we have these fun shirts. I think one year I wore I'm Not the Cart Girl. <laughs> I liked that.
0: I liked
3: that then, too.
2: Yeah, I'm Not the Cart Girl. And then another one I wore was Hello Birdie. Eat, sleep. Swing repeat, we've had that. We've had spikes over heels. Okay. So I think it kind of gives a fun yeah. twist to the women's line where they can talk about how it's not just golf and just give it a little fun. Yeah. I thought I say like a pun. It's not really a pun. What would you call this?
1: Oh, uh, there's some nice alliteration there. Fairway fierce. I
2: like puns, though. You know? Yeah,
1: you've talked to us talked to us a little bit about. How you'd like to see lpga players um showcased in creative ways um do you think that there are, are ways for you know your guys personalities to to come across better
2: yes i think that do oh, hmm, i have word this right <laughs> yes i think there are many different types of players out there many different types of personality um in my opinion I may be wrong, but I do think that a lot of people are more reserved than they want to be because of how it could be perceived by the outside. However, I do believe that everybody's different. And I think that that showcases the different people that can be involved in golf around the world. Um, Not all young girls are all the same. They all don't like pink. Trust me, I didn't like pink. So if there are girls that are more, spunky or more outgoing or louder i think some may perceive it as negative or not quote unprofessional but people express things differently nobody's the same so i kind of want to see them be broadcasted or being shown a little bit different sides of everybody different sides of players some some are really quiet some are really loud some are fast some are slow i just there are varieties and there are varieties of people so i just think that I kind of want to see some diversity in personality showcase. For
0: sure. I mean, when it comes to personality and someone who is not afraid to be themselves, I even if they're shooting three, four, I want to see it. Yeah. They're funny. You are at the top of the list, though.
2: Trust me, dude. There's a girl that just hits it and goes, I don't even know if I can say. It. She's like, T City. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? That's funny. Yes. That's yeah. funny. I obviously, obviously, I don't even know if I can say that, but you know, it's just. You can
0: say anything.
2: But I. Look at the PJ, I, I don't know, whatever. I, they're doing a great job, but the, we know there are a lot of different types of players on other tours. Yes. So
0: I think I'm gonna steal that.
2: It's pretty funny when she when she says Taylor it. I City. love it. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things to, I don't know why. It just it brings a good vibe, you know? It brings a good mojo to the entire group. Oh, I love it. Smash this down the fairway and you hear it, you're going, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but I think it's just I think knowing that there are different types of people, and of course we want to be great role models, but also there are different types of golfers. There yeah. are, this, isn't sport, this is a sport, it's an athletic sport, and um, we're grown ups here, we're adults, and I just think that, I think a lot of young girls could be inspired by people that are very express, um, expressive than people that are not. They're extroverts, introverts, so I don't know.
0: I think you put it perfectly. We can end on that. T- city and personality Growth here on the drop zone with Danielle (laughs) K.
1: We should get it on the record that at the start of this interview, Danielle said she was just going to go monotone and wasn't going to tell us anything interesting. I can't be monotone. So thank you for not doing that. Thanks for joining us, though. (laughs) Good luck at the Solheim Cup.
2: Thank you. Oh my God, can I say City?
0: All right, major thanks to Danielle Kang, my new favorite golfer in the entire world. And with the PGA Tour coming back this week, it is officially silly season. It's time to get silly, and we have brought in uh, probably our silliest co-worker, Tim Riley.
3: Wow, what, what an <laughs> intro. Uh,
0: We're going to do a three-person fall-only fantasy league. And in order to get silly, we got to get in the mood. Were you in high school or were you in college when the song "Get Silly" became popular? Do you know what I'm talking about? I
3: don't even know the song to be honest. Dance oh, blow silly, the ladies gon' film me, the fellas in the back, and they twistin' up a thilly. Get, get, get silly, get
0: silly. Well, Dylan and I were in high school, and uh, if you were in high
3: school, I would be in college because yeah. I am four years older than you guys. So I, mm-hmm. I believe I would probably have been in college
0: at that point. All right. Well. I'll, I'll send the video over later our listeners and our followers they need to listen to this very closely because they need to back us they need to endorse us
1: latch on
0: if you tweet or comment on instagram your support for any one of our teams you're automatically in the running for something great it might be a couple hundred dollars it might be a new driver or wedges or something we're gonna have to sort that out with the legal team <laughs> you, you just figure out which team you want to endorse. The correct answer will be Team Zoc. Anyways, in okay. order to do so, we need to welcome in Tim. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here.
3: It's a pleasure, guys. I mean, my first time in the drop zone. This yeah. is a big day for me when you invited me on Thursday. You know, yeah. I kind of jumped for joy. I wasn't <laughs> at the office, though. And today I'm wearing my
1: iHeart drop zone t-shirt good it's funny tim has been standing at the doorway you know every time we enter the podcast room since we started this podcast and now i kind of understand why he just really wanted to yeah. come in and join
0: he's kind of like he's like that puppy that like runs to the window every time you leave like when are you coming back <laughs> yeah i got he my might...
3: cup against the door because you're recording every week just to hear what's i want to get a like the, the first listen before the even drops on itunes
0: <laughs> well these three voices are the three teams in this fantasy league um it'll be 10 weeks long it'll be for the 10 true fall series events from the Greenbrier to the RSM Classic the important things are that you can pick up players every week but once you drop a player you cannot pick them up again you will have four players on your team at all times winner takes all losers pay up and the winnings like i said will go to hooking up one of our loyal listeners so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be fun for us it's going to be fun for everyone
1: hopefully so- we're going to put some uh, some of our listeners like amateur status in jeopardy with these prizes
3: <laughs> that's a great idea i might start a burner account just support <laughs> team riley hashtag right now I'm gonna that trending
0: so without further ado dylan let's toss the tee to see who drafts first
3: all right
1: this should be really good audio Ready? not much
3: space on the counter and it's pointing it at is, in between that's inch. definitely
0: pointing to me sean all right cumulative money earned by your team throughout these 10 fall events so dustin johnson currently just had surgery doesn't really need to get drafted doesn't need to get drafted until he's going to play later in the fall don't tell R- Tim that Rory McIlroy John Rahm guys playing a bunch of Euro events they don't need to get drafted right now so with the first pick in the drop zone fall fantasy draft I'm going to choose Bryson DeChambeau
1: oh Sean Zach wow. taking Bryson off the board early all right Tim I'm gonna go with Victor Hovland
3: oh Ended it hot. H I feel like it's OV. going to carry over here. I'm feeling good about this. The fall. He was
1: high on everybody's draft board. Yep. Um, now I've got two picks in a row, huh, guys? High upside
0: kind of guy, yeah.
1: Going third, Sung Jae. Oh. <laughs> he might not, if I didn't have consecutive picks, he might have gone fourth for me instead, but I wanted him to have the, the honor out of, of many being events, yeah. a first-round pick. That was Fourth, I'm going Colin Morikawa. Wow. Couple of studs. These guys are gonna hold down my squad.
0: So through four picks, we've got Bryson Hovland, Sung J M, and Kalamurakawa. Do
1: you guys feel like I'm winning so far? Because I do feel that way.
0: There's just
3: Well, you have two guys,
1: we have won so you, it's, you it's a, pretty easy to be at the starting loss right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: you've got you've got a couple guys that are gonna play a lot, presumably play a lot of events. I have the best player in the draft taken right now.
3: So you're banking on a Bryson
1: winning a couple of these events. Well,
0: I'm he's assuming. playing this week. Yes. So I'm banking on some money to be made this week.
1: He's going to drop and, Bryson like a bad habit mm-hmm. after this
0: week. And if I don't need him in the future, I don't need him. Tim, your second pick.
3: I'm going to go with Matthew Wolf. Matt Wolf. Wow. I'm stocking up. up on the youngsters. And honestly, I'm really taking him because I want to name my team the Wolf Pack. So that's mm. more or less where I'm going with this Not one.
1: even in the field this week, I yeah, don't I believe. So yeah. kind of a bold move going that off the board. Bold. I'm looking forward there.
0: All right, well, I'm going to stay to form and choose someone who might get dropped from my team in the future, who's probably not going to play a ton of events, but he will be playing this week. I'm going with Bubba Watson.
1: Oh, the Greenbrier man himself. Mr. Greenbrier. Does he hold equity in the Greenbrier? Yes. Does he like own half the place? Big falconry guy, along with Phil. All right.
0: my third pick, I'm going to take a page out of your books. This is someone who I think will play a lot of events this fall. Someone who actually played pretty well at the end of the 2019 regular season. Mr. Redman, Doc Redman. Doc Redman, <laughs> the Doc.
1: Man, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. I didn't either. He was, he, That's like a looking at my guy. big board, and <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you guys, he's not on <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> not at all. Jeez, uh, I'm speechless. I, I will say I was looking through headshots today not good <laughs> your boy doc his
0: uh we're not a headshots team his hair I mean, drafted scene. bryson and bubba we're not about headshots
1: man good player though plucky
0: tim your third pick i'm going with this one
3: partly on his skill set the way he finished the year and partly just because he's my favorite person on twitter it's max homa wow he's play homa. i think he's gonna play a lot this fall
0: personally i think max homa might have peaked wow, wow. might have peaked winning the wells fargo didn't exactly play his best golf after that.
1: So you guys telling me I get two picks in a row again.
0: That's how this works. That's, that's how this goes. You think he'll stay away from Martin Trainer?
1: Oh man. Shout out Martin Trainer, my player. Uh just to be just to be kind of impartial, I'm gonna keep Martin Trainer off my team for now. Um, but I am gonna ride this week Scotty Scheffler. <laughs>
0: oh my god! Coming
1: off the Corn Ferry tour.
0: I don't even know what to spell his last name.
1: Makes a lot of birdies. Uh, it's with an S and a C and an H. Uh, Scotty Shuffler is going to hold down my team. And then, oh, man, this is a painful one for me. Whether or not I can possibly leave Keegan Bradley off my team. That's kind of what's what's mm. going through my mind at the moment.
0: Um, This is an official welcome to the drop zone, Tim.
1: <laughs> welcome to the drop zone. Hmm. Keegan Bradley, fourth pick. Book it. Even if it's only for one it's week. So
3: bad. I was very I was kind of putting in Keegan right before my last pick over Max at first. It's a big one here. Uh this is your final pick. Yeah. My first three were more long term thinking. Guys, I think I'll play a lot this fall. So for this week, this could be a one and done. I'm not really sure. We'll see how it goes here, but I'm gonna go with Brandon Grace. I think Mm -hmm. he's got a good chance to take a good paycheck home this
1: week, and I I need some money on the board. He needs to make a run to uh, get in this Presidents' Cup conversation. Does he not? It's
0: true. It is important for your fourth pick to be one that you can kind of feel okay about getting rid of. I'm pretty much okay about getting rid of any of my team members, (laughs) except much of a vote of confidence. I don't like that. I will, with my final pick, I will choose one of my favorite golfers in the world, Danielle Kang. I will not choose Danielle Kang. She does not make any money on the PGA Tour. I will, however, choose another player at that shoot, Mr. Joaquin Neiman. Oh. uh, One of my favorite players in the world who is just a fun dude. He is not yet 21, cannot legally drink in America, but he can ball strike, and I get drunk on his ball striking.
1: He can hit a putter off a tee very, very far also, we learned. Yes.
0: So the teams are, Sean's team, Bryson DeChambeau, Bubba Watson. Doc Redman and Joaquin Neiman, mm. Tim Riley's Wolf Pack, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, Max Homa, Brandon Grace, and DeCher's Massholes, Sung J M, Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, and Keegan Bradley. I have the best team.
1: That's amazing. We will find out. Yeah. Third
3: pick. I feel like Sean went really heavy waiver wire team here. Like I was thinking more long term strategy. You yeah, like yeah. only one guy. I mean, I think like you like you said, you got three guys. I
0: feel like you're gonna drop in a heartbeat here. Yeah. Yeah. For three new people. Yeah. The rest of the PJ Tour. You guys, loyal listeners, you got to let us know which team you think will win. This is over the course of the fall.
1: I mean, you're really investing just in this is more of a trust game because, yes. you know.
0: You trust Dylan, you trust Tim, or do you trust Sean? The Wolfpack. But thanks, Tim. Thanks for joining. Thanks.
3: And on the way out of this segment, I want you to play the NWO theme song, The Wolfpack, just to get an appreciation for the team Wolfpack. I can do that for you. Thank you.
0: All right, major thanks to Tim for joining us. One player who did not get drafted will probably be on a team later this season but isn't right now, Brooks Kepka. And before we close out this podcast, we need to discuss Brooks Kepka's ESPN commercials. They weren't good. Oh, no. Now, normally, I'm a Kepka stan. I enjoy Brooks and what he brings to the sport. I am not ride or die. Like, I am happy... To criticize him when I need to. It doesn't happen all that often, more than anything. I just take screenshots of his naked body and post them on Twitter. That
1: has become your Twitter brand to some extent.
0: But late last week, he had two SportsCenter commercials published. The classic This Is Sports Center commercials, and I was very, very disappointed. We're talking about one of the most enigmatic players on the PGA tour. Sometimes people love him. Sometimes he's mysterious. Sometimes you don't really know what he's thinking. And then wham, he just ethers someone about pace of play. Like This is a guy who has personality. And if if the last like 18 months have taught us anything, it's that Brooks Koepka has some thoughts, some opinions. He's ready to share them. These ESPN commercials, you could have fit you, me, Jordan Spieth, anybody into that role, and it doesn't change anything. And that is what was most disappointing to me is that I felt like they were kind of...
1: Lacking in Brooks. A little generic. They felt very generic. you throwing thrown shade at Jordan Spieth's personality by slotting him in there. I think he would be excellent in SportsCenter commercials. Well, he,
0: he was excellent in his... This is SportsCenter commercial a couple years ago with with Michael Greller waffling between whether he should have uh, a yeah. fork or a spoon mm-hmm. to eat his mac and cheese. And so he was good. I'm just saying you could have put Bubba Watson, Brandon Grace, any one of the teams that we just drafted. You put them in there and... The bits don't change. I wanted Brooks like being upset at Matthew Barry's pace of play, or you know, looking at another anybody else in the cafeteria and being like, Why are you taking so long? or you know, doing something about his body, his nakedness, his workouts, literally anything that says Brooks, Brooks, Brooks. Yeah, this doesn't do it.
1: You hate to see it because. This could be his only shot. The yeah. This is Sports Center commercials. That is it's reserved a for thing. a lofty set of athletes. Yeah, you know these are the LeBron Jameses of the world. Yeah, but how many, many has Palmer's?
0: How many has LeBron James done? I think he's done one. This is Sports Center commercial. There's always one opportunity.
1: The one with the chair.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: God, it's such a good commercial. It's it such is such a good franchise.
0: All of these commercials are normally really good. We're talking about like Tiger Woods when he did his. He was walking through the cubicles with Stuart Scott, and you have a tiger mass mm-hmm. following,
1: arranging lunch. Yeah. Yes,
0: you have Arnold Palmer making the true Arnold Palmer in the cafeteria line. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Jordan Spieth. You had Ricky Fowler in his classic orange, drinking orange juice or he, what he thought was coffee. So, yes, Ricky. Like,
1: God, I forgot about that. One. There's a
0: lot. That was funny. There's a lot of really good. This is Sports Center commercials. And all we have is Brooks Kepka slicing his PB&J sandwich.
1: It's more fodder for the Brooks haters, I would say.
0: I don't know. I'm sure it doesn't mean too much to Brooks. He did get his good buddy into the commercial. So Ricky Elliott was subbed out for one of his longtime buddies. You know, he's doing a little bit for his friends, which is classic Brooks Kepka. That's good enough for the drop zone today. Dylan has to go on vacation. He's leaving me all week. So you get out of here and we'll see you back here in one week from now.